a shark starts to terrorize a small coastal town as they set up for their annual regatta. It's up to the sheriff and a small band of citizens to band together, whatever, to take the vicious predator down. <laughs> Hello everyone, I'm Caleb Bouget. I'm Josh Allred. And welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Bad. Dun, dun, don't sue us. And today, if you're probably wondering, huh, that title sounds familiar, and you're probably thinking Jaws, you're kind of right, but also kind of wrong. Because today we shall be talking about the 1995 Jaws ripoff, Cruel Jaws, I'll get into the more longer title later, um, a film that got released kind of in the wake of, Grant. I know it was 95, but in the wake of Jaws, like Jaws came out, became this big hit, and studios and filmmakers took notice and immediately started releasing anything that was re a remotely similar to Jaws. Um, sometimes not so great films, but sometimes you got things like Piranha, or I, I know I got my Shout Factory uh, Blue recently, um, Alligator. So you got some good stuff out of it, but not always so great. Um, to help me talk about today, we have a nice special guest host, our very, very own Filmgasm member, Josh Arred. Yeah, and I'm also your roommate. Unfortunately. <laughs> We will fight after this. Don't worry, guys. That's that. That's actually, you know what? I can just spray you with the water bottle we use for the oh. cats. So keep keep being sassy. That's fine. I'll fix you. You go on deployment soon. Um, as far as why this film is being covered today, other than being a, a pick from yourself, go on and knock out all these numbers. Um, I looked on Rotten Tomatoes. Does not have a critic score. I, I guess they haven't bothered, but audience score is sitting at 19%. So, you know, yeah. And um, on Letterboxd, it's sitting at 2.4, which I was actually surprised because I've done films that are sitting way worse. <laughs> that I, I kind of liked a little bit more. But hey, teach the own, right? Um, before I got into the production stuff of this, in case anyone hasn't known yet on Filmgasm, Josh here is a massive fan of Italian horror cinema, so I figured I would use this moment for him to talk about what got him into it, his love for it, um, directors, movies of uh, his that he loves the most. So, Josh, take it away. I think what really draws me to kind of like Italian cinema especially um, and their infamy for their various kind of rip-off movies is just the sheer balls that they have to make these movies. Um, one of my favorites is Lucio Fulci's Zombie. And that was made in the wake of George Romero's Night of, uh, Dawn of the Dead. And in Italy, it was released as Zombie. And so when Fulci made his movie, he released it as Zombie 2, which started... And I don't know if, if his was the first, but it, it kind of started this whole industry in Italy where they would take well-known films from you know, the, the United States or other places in Europe, and they would cash in on them. 
and they would make these movies that either are in name only sequels to movies or complete and utterly like just disregarding any any semblance to what came before them um so with with zombie you have a movie called beyond the door which is a mashup of rosemary's baby the exorcist uh and also has a great jazz score um to to also accompany images of you know a kid eating pea soup through a straw like really just weird shit that shouldn't be entertaining at all but these movies are fucking amazing um my friend ty really like he he's kind of like kind of like my pusher man when it comes to movies because i'll tell him like oh yeah i really like this he's like oh okay well if you like this then i got this for you you need to check this shit out or you need to check this shit out it's like wow you've never seen fucking you know beyond the door which i just mentioned and i was like no I've, i i mean i've heard of it i've never seen it and he was like no you gotta watch this shit and i bought it arrow put it out it it really makes no sense and it really makes no sense that this movie um that that movie exists and it really is the case with cruel jaws because that movie is really showing you the in the most barest sense that a movie is literally putting together different sequences and images to tell a story and bruno matai literally gave no fucks as to who he quote unquote borrowed from uh in order to get this movie made i mean there was there's stock footage there's literally whole scenes ripped from like the last shark and uh joe damato's deep blood that's all put together in order to make this movie and oh by the way there's also a lot of music ripping off going on that's in this just- movie I texted you when I was watching this. Because I'm watching it and I was like, this music sounds familiar. And as it built up, I'm like, this is the Star Wars theme song. But it's not. (laughs) But it's not. They changed it just enough. But it starts out as the fucking Star Wars theme song for the most dullest scenes they could pick. They're like, oh, they're about to go out and do the regatta. Star Wars theme song, but not theme song. I'm like, what the fuck? It's like if Vanilla Ice was on trial for fucking ripping off fucking John Williams music. He's like, no, 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 no. His goes, dun, 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 See, it's not the same. You know, like, that is, that is, that is how much they flirted with getting just close enough to the source to trigger images in your head and to get you going, but then also just pull it back to where they won't get sued. But that's not necessarily the case, as far as I understand it with this movie, because for all intents and purposes, this movie should not exist. And the fact that Severin could put it together and release it, and I own it, is a miracle. Because for the longest time, this movie only existed in a whole world of like, oh my God, have you seen this movie? I think it was on YouTube at some point for a little while, but it's largely existed just like in the periphery or in the mouths of other people who had seen this kind of like trash cinema. Um, I think one of the reasons why I gravitate towards movies like this is just just the whole DIY nature of it. It's like, and, and, and I'll get to it when we start to like 
give out the awards and and especially with the silver lining for this movie it's just it's just the the audacity that these filmmakers have to getting these things made and the not so subtle tricks that the Italians employ in order to make a movie marketable to American audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens a lot. Um, there are a few uh, Fulci movies where he is credited as Lewis Fuller. That, that mm-hmm. was his American pseudonym. Uh, in this case, uh, Bruno Mattai, the uh, writer-director, who's credited as William Snyder. Yes. Uh, which on the Severin um, Blu-ray, if anybody does own it, you'll know that there is the theatrical uh, cut as well as the quote-unquote Snyder cut. And it's not to jump on the fucking Snyderverse fucking bandwagon, though it is because that's why they labeled it as such. But it's because that was Bruno Mattai's name. But that's all they would do. They would literally have just the director's name changed. Um, I'm trying to remember what... Uh, Luigi Cosi's name is for a contamination. Um, it's escaping me right now, but it's mm-hmm. literally something, something just terrible. It's like, it, it's it's almost like somebody who who English is not their first language. It's like I'll make up an American name, and that's that's what I'll do. Um, it's, there's there's just so many of them. It's it's fucking hilarious. To me, it was like they were finding the most white name they could think of, like any stereotypical white name they could think of. Like, yeah, that sounds right. William Snyder, sure, and yeah, like I do like how Severin's like, let's be funny and just like continue this tradition with this film and hop on the Snyder thing and call it the Snyder Cut. So you know, yeah, Connor, you're not escaping it. You're just not on this episode, but you're hearing about it. That's right. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure William Snyder is Zack Snyder's grandfather or raging alcoholic uncle, um, because both of them are very uh, haphazard when it comes to editing their movies. There, I said it. Come and fight me, nerds. I think we'll be fine. I don't think we have super big Snyder fanboys listening right now. I mean, I, I hope not. But look, if they're gonna come at me for for attacking their their uh, their beloved director, their so god, be it. yeah, it's, it's their god in their eyes. <laughs> he ain't a director. He's on a different level. Yeah, I forgot. Um, but uh, yeah, no, going going back to this, like um. You were the, you know, I was mentioning to you earlier today, like, you know, I had a, a college boy that got me into, like, a lot of foreign stuff um, with horror back when I was in college. I say college, but yeah. Um, but you were big into giving me into, like, Italian horror cinema. Like, you were definitely my intro to things like Fulci, Argento, and stuff like that. And it's funny, because even in, like, I guess, you know, quote-unquote, right, respectable Italian directors, like, again, air quotes with this one, um, even they were finding ways to pull stuff from American cinema into their films, you know, um, still very much making it their own, like Argento's use of color, obviously, but, you know, getting the actors into dub, even if they were speaking English, so Americans could digest it at the time, like even the, you know, the bigger names out there were still just finding ways to almost Americanize their movies enough so that it would play and they would, you know, no one would notice. Well, so some of that is um, the Italians being incredibly cheap when it comes to producing the the films themselves. So a lot of the time they would be shooting uh, without sound, and so that was a necessity to have the um, to have the actors that were doing the character voices doing their own voices for the dubs and things like that. But then you also have quite noticeably when you have actors who English is not their first language, you can really see the difference between what they're saying, and it's like. 
there's um there's a couple of people um uh God, Giovanni Radici I think is his name he plays uh I think his name is Bob <laughs> don't you have something about Bob I don't know um he plays uh Bob in City of the Living Dead and it, he's like saying English words but through an Italian mouth so it's like it looks like he's speaking English, but he's not. And then you have an, a really American voice doing his voice. So it's just like it, it, it it's really weird how it creates this like real illusion in your mind that you're like you, you kind of have to just take it for what it is. You can't you can't try and take it too seriously, because if you do, it's, it's immediately going to pull you out of it. And I think that's part of the artifice of it is is what I find enjoyable about it is is the fact that they are. You know, for me, going to film school and being a real nerd about, you know, how movies are made and the techniques behind them, they really are pulling out all the stops when it comes to doing this shit. And you can see it with the way they, or lack thereof, edit their films, um, the way that they're shooting them, and how they are really, like, using a lot of the quote-unquote tricks of the trade to, to make these movies. And it's... It's very admirable that, that they can actually do this kind of thing, but it's also quite funny when you try to watch a movie, even something like Suspiria, which is one of my favorite movies ever. It's dubbed and it's got and it's got people like who don't have English as their first language saying English lines, but then you, it just looks weird when you hear it. It's not matching up with their lips and it's just you kind of just have to take it for what it is and not take it too seriously, which is how you have to go into watching these movies um if you like if you really try to look at them too hard it, it all falls apart but i mean you have movies like demons which is probably one of my favorite um lamberto baba movies and also just like a total party movie mm. it's it's just it's balls out fun from beginning to end but it's also using things that like you as an american really cue on it's a lot of fucking metal and in the soundtrack, so you're going in there and you're having a good time with it. You're not really thinking too much about it. Fucking Bruno Matai is like, I know one thing Americans love, Hulk fucking Hogan. So what am I going to do? I'm going to get a lookalike to get in there. And yes, we will talk more about him. Because anybody that watches this, and you did it when you when I was uh, driving back home, you texted me, it's a fucking Hulk Hogan lookalike? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got a Hulk Hogan lookalike in this movie. We do, and I stand by it. There's another character. He's very minor, but he looks like fucking Fabio. <laughs> it was killing me. I'm like, it looks like fucking Fabio. But, uh, no, I think that's what I like. Like, when you got me into, like, Italian cinema, it's really kind of quickly become one of my more favorite types of horror films because of the fact that they just don't give a shit. They're just like, we want to, they just use every trick they can to make a movie, and they make fun movies, and I, I love the funness of it. I love the gore. Very much thanks to like Fulci and Archento, they really got me on that. Uh, obviously, Archento used to code like everything they're just throwing at you, and there's and it's almost like they're telling you, like, Look, it's not gonna be a coherent plot, but if you are along for this ride, you're along for this ride. If not, we don't care, maybe still going to play. And I, I just I really like the approach, and it's quickly become one of my more favorite like go to subgenres to the point where I'm like kind of mad at myself, I slept on it for so long, but. Being the oldest with parents that weren't really into horror, you know, I did my best. Um, but now I'm at a point where, you know, I'm wearing my zombie joggers right now. And I, I mean, I, I'm beefing up my collection. Hopefully adding, you know, some of those movies into it. I have, you've seen, I got the Demons 1 and 2 thing from Synapse. So it's definitely grown on me and I've been enjoying it a lot. It's, it's just never boring. 
as as far as I'm like I've been I've been bored a lot by like movies that come out of America, even like low budget stuff. And and to, to me, it's like even if you don't have the resources or the budget, you know, or even the talent, quote unquote talent, to to make a good movie, you you should you should go to have fun. Like for me, one of the biggest crimes a movie can commit is to be boring. Like, don't, don't do that. Don't make me fall asleep watching your fucking movie. Like, like I was just going over this, you know, taking my notes and getting my awards for this movie. And I was literally just laughing out loud at some of the shit that is in this movie because it is absurd. It's so absurd, but it's also just like, yeah, you want a shark in a movie. I'm going to give you a shark. I'm also going to give you different kinds of sharks. Not because I think you're stupid, but because it's the it's the footage I could get, and I'm gonna give you just enough that you're gonna be like, wait, what? That, huh? That's not even the same shark. What the fuck? But like, you're you're. I have way too much fun with this kind of stuff, and I think it's because I have seen a lot of these to this point. But you have never, and and I don't think you can be adequately prepared enough. For a movie like this because it really it challenges you to actually like sit through it and watch it but it also it just has no reason why it should exist because it is just so blatant in every movie that it rips off mm. shamelessly oh yeah yeah it and it's fine too because like between what the stuff you were showing me right against the town cinema and then to an extent joe bob because it seems like every season he puts a at least one Italian movie on the last drive-in. So it's like, I'm getting inundated, but it's essentially with like, quote unquote, the best of the best, right? Like the more classic stuff there by Fox too. So when you were like, let's do this for beyond the bad, I was like, okay. And you, you kind of warned me. I was like, I should be fine. I've seen bad before. And I sat through this one and I was just sitting there going, Oh my God, I, everything you're saying I had, I was sitting there going, that's not the same shark. Why? I was like, you can even just use the same stock footage. Like, <laughs> You had to use. Why is Hulk Hogan in this? And it's not Hulk Hogan. What's going on? <laughs> I'm just sitting there losing my mind. And then it ended and I went, I don't know why. But I somehow I was entertained by this fucking movie. Yeah. You can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't look away. I mean, once you think like this, you, you have this movie down, like what's going on? It's like, no, nope, throw a little bit of a curveball. It's like, oh, you like Jaws? Sweet. You're going to like this movie. Probably. You like Jaws too? Yeah, you're going to like this movie, probably. Have you ever seen Jaws, The Revenge? You're going to like this movie, probably. But it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you are just, you're just going to be entertained. And, and even if you are just kind of like, why did I waste an hour and a half of my life on this movie? I will challenge you that you could do worse you know, go watch fucking, I don't know, what, what whatever garbage is out there now. Like, this movie is infinitely, for me, infinitely more entertaining. Oh, I'll, I would rather, because I'm like you, a film, the first crime film would be boring. So I'd rather sit through this and at least, like, be sitting going, what the fuck's going on? Than sitting through a movie while I'm fighting to stay awake because it's dull. Which is actually what I recently experienced with The Cursed. Last week when I'm in the theater looking at my watch, like... Please end. I'm bored. Like, or you got an origin story about a mustache? 
Fuck you, Connor Frank. You watch Death Panel now. <laughs> there, I said it. <laughs> it hasn't died yet. On that note, I guess we should probably move into uh, development. Hell, as I like to call it. So we've kind of been kind of talking about it. There's not a lot on the actual production of this film. Um, what I was able to glean, we talked about where instead of just getting a fake shark, because they just didn't have the money, Bruno Batai bought stock footage before they ever filmed. I would say he borrowed. Uh, probably borrowed. Heavily. Probably stole it. Probably. Eh, no, he definitely stole it. And it, and it's funny that you talk about like development or production. I'm pretty sure Bruno Matai was like, this fucking Spielberg guy, I can make a shark movie. What other shark movies do I know of that are out? Hmm. You know what? I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a shark movie out of all of those shark movies. That'll fucking show them. And it, I would love to see the script for this. I would be surprised if it's over ten pages, and all those ten pages are the dialogue that exists in the actual movie that we see, because it is extremely obvious from what was actually shot by Bruno Matai and everything that was quote unquote borrowed. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if that script was well, longer than 10 pages. I would say even shorter than 10 pages, because if you take it from there, take away the dialogue that's ripped straight out of other films, and now just look at it as purely original dialogue, I, I feel like they barely tapped five. Fair enough. You might have a good point there. So, yeah. Well, however you see fit, Mr. Bruno Motai or William Snyder, whatever you want to call him, Somehow got his hands on stock footage. Online keeps it legal. The Blu-ray keeps it legal. Says he bought, but let's just be real. Um, most of what I think is interesting is actually upon release, which we were talking about. Um, so, like I said, there was a longer title used. And the, that title, ladies and gentlemen, when this was being marketed, was Jaws 5. Cool Jaws. Only reason they stopped using it was because Universal, who has been okay in the past with people kind of doing their thing as long as it doesn't directly, you know, copy paste shit from the movie, goes whatever. Saying your movie is Shaw's Five was apparently a step too far. Universal stepped in, and said, "Hey, cut that, or we're pursuing legal action." So they cut it down to Cool Toss. I can't say I completely hate Universal for that move. I mean, if you're a studio exec and you see that, you're like, hey, at the same time, it's 1995, and let's just be honest with ourselves, could you do worse than Charles the Revenge? No, even though Bruno Matai... I mean, actually, so all four Jaws movies are borrowed for this movie, um, up to and including the... Uh, I fucking hate when they do it, and they did it in Jaws, The Revenge, was having sharks roar. And they they do this right in the beginning of the fucking movie, where these guys are down there salvaging fucking top-secret Navy information, and you hear a fucking shark roar underwater as it's attacking these dudes. It's like, sharks don't have vocal cords, for starters, and even if they did, it wouldn't sound like that. And why? Just why? Like, the whole point of them is to not is to not be heard, and yet you think it's it's a good idea to make them roar. 
I think it's just I, I think it's one of the dumbest things you can ever do in a movie and it kind of lays the gauntlet down right then and there for like just how ridiculous this movie's gonna be because the way you like you can even tell with how the way the the scenes were shot and it was edited together it was almost like Bruno Matai like didn't necessarily want to like trim it to where you know the actual dialogue zone it's almost looking like you could see like just a half a second's worth of them waiting for action to be called and then it's called and then they're fucking doing their lines and shit it happens throughout the entire movie and it's just it it's so fucking funny so fucking funny aspiring filmmakers and film students of the world watch movies like this watch movies like this watch stuff from trauma watch all of these things and you will understand what not to do but also learn a lot of tricks on how to get what you want and get it on screen and that's probably like another aspect of these quote-unquote shitty movies that i really fucking love yeah no actually and i second that having been to film school myself um i guess a little quick little soapbox on this one I'm, I'm with you in that, like, what I hate so much. The one thing I hate about film school is that you get a lot of guys, pe- not I was about to say guys, a lot of people that go there that they only want to watch things like The Godfather or, you know, Dances with Wolves. Insert any other classic American cinema movie ever made, right? And that's what they want to do. And what doesn't help is that the film school support that big time. Um, you know, they're supporting, like, no, watch Tarantino, watch Spielberg, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not putting down those directors at all. They have earned their place for a reason. Um, but at the same time, I will never forget the day when I mentioned someone like Rob Zombie and no one had any fucking idea who I was talking about. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, House House Corpses, that was Vijay. It's like, come on, guys. Because these people like Lloyd Kaufman and a lot of these Italian filmmakers and even someone as big as Rob Zombie, like, they're using so much more tricks than your more established directors because they work on low-budget stuff more often so they have to use more tricks and guess what if you go to film school and you graduate and you get lucky enough to work you're not working on a transformers film and getting paid for it you're working on a low budget film that no one will may maybe no one sees maybe five people see you don't know so you got to start learning how to work within that small budget uh space and yeah i second that like watch films like cool jaws watch stuff like Hell, even someone like the original Evil Dead, for Christ's sakes. Like, watch this low-budget stuff so you have a better idea of, like, what what can be done to get a movie made. Now, whether that's good or bad, that's up to you. But, yeah. It's all a matter of taste. And I think, um, to to use my friend Ty's quote, because we, he and I went to the same college for film school, he and I, he and I have definitely learned more from watching movies and he's learned a lot since he's been working uh at a video store and working and being around a bunch of other movie nerds i mean that's how tarantino got his education was watching movies and doing that and it's like there's there's a, a wealth of knowledge out there in the form of movies that were made and there's some that just never see the light of day or they die on vhs or whatever and then you have a movie like this which Again, don't know how Stevern managed to get the fucking rights to that movie in order to get it out, but when I saw it was available, I had to snap it up because it just... The the sheer fact that this movie exists is reason enough to celebrate it. 
And if you are in any way like interested in learning about filmmaking and things like that, watching movies like this is the best way to understand how to put a movie together mm-hmm. and how you can have shots that seemingly make no sense on their own and you put them one right after the other, it's like, now you're telling a story. And for good and for bad, this movie does that. Sometimes it's really obvious and it's really terrible, but then at at other points you're like, you're kind of just caught up in it. And you're just like, all right, I'm along for the ride now. Let's just have some fun. And why, you know, what is Hulk Hogan going to do to save the day? He's going to say, I'm here to help, brother. And things going to attempt to help. (laughs) But we'll see. Um. Yeah, no. It. I mentioned that when I was like coming up with the script is that I am genuinely impressed that this film, after any the fact that it even came to Universal's attention, enough for them to be like, you need to take that Jaws five out of the title. Um, this film should be dead and buried by all accounts. It should be mired in legal like issues, much like Friday Thirteenth was until a couple like a month or two ago. And somehow, it hasn't. It's it it has stayed. Severin, like you said, was able to get a copy of it, really spruce it up, come out with two different cuts for the Blu-ray, and get it out there for people to see. That's fucking impressive. A film that should not theoretically exist at all due to numerous legal issues, skated by. But that also to me kind of speaks to the power of like cinema. When people talk about a film, you know, and I see it, we obviously see a lot more now where people just rely on opening weekend to tell you how good a movie is. And it's like, no, fuck that. It, the staying power is the years after. That's the staying power. And, you know, you can say what you want about this film, but it clearly has staying power for Severin to even want to put it out on Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, a movie that has a reputation around it and a story and a kind of an aura for lack of a better word an aura where you just you hear about it and you're like oh shit i have to see this um the first time i actually saw it and what inspired me to actually buy it even though i was kind of on the fence already at that point was uh rebecca mckendry she uh she's also on the special features kind of giving a shark exploitation history um on this blu-ray her and elric kane are the uh, hosts of the Colors of the Dark podcast uh, through Fangoria. And during the summer last year, they were doing a run of um, movie nights through USC, where uh, Rebecca is a professor of uh, film studies. And she was getting uh, movies to show through Zoom. And you would all join in, you would sign up, it was free to do. And this was the first one that they did. And I was like, holy shit. I've got to fucking see this. And they just kept talking about it and hyping it up. And I was like, holy fuck. I've heard of this movie. And I've never gotten to see it. I have to see it. And they actually ran uh, one of the versions from Severin, from that Blu-ray, on the Zoom. And so I'm sitting there watching it with them. We had like, you have a little chat going on with it. It was just hilarious. And at the end of it, they did a little Q&A and they talked a little bit about it. Um, And just moments like that are why I like movies like this because number one, it's got, it's, it's got notoriety around it. It's got a story around it. And then 
it's one of these things like it has to be shared. It has to be passed on to somebody else. You know, it's like, it's like you've never even seen it. Like, dude, you've got to fucking see it. And it's, that's how movies like this gets passed around. That's how movies like that manage to continue on years and years and years later when they really shouldn't. But, you know, other people who have other opinions on what is good, you know, what is a good movie or what is, you know, worthy of an award or whatever, they would just totally dismiss something like this because to them it doesn't make sense. It's not slick. It's not, you know, well put together and all that crap. But I'm not bored by that. I would absolutely be bored by something that is made for the sole purpose of trying to get on everybody's awards list for their end of year best of movie and all this shit and is released at, you know, it, it's, it's not made just to be made and for people to see it has more of a purpose behind it, mm-hmm. but only not in the sense of the story that's trying to be told, but in the purpose of, I want this to get awards and recognition because that's going to make it a good movie. Like, no, fuck that. It's totally stupid. And I'm going off on a tangent, but whatever. No, this is this is definitely the the show to do that. Plus, it's always fun because then we can see what Connor and Austin want to text later. <laughs> On good fun though. Um, with that, I know we kind of been kind of going over it. Do you have any more thoughts on like just that whole movement of Italian Rapport films? Like, um, so if if I can do anything, I will kind of give you my my list of some of my favorites. And if you haven't seen them, I would highly suggest you go check them out. Um, like I started off with, Zombie is one of them. Uh, Beyond the Door, Contamination, which we talked about. Um, there's there's a whole string of like Evil Dead knockoffs that are just like House. I think they call them like House Two, House Three, because that was um, how Evil Dead I think was released in Italy. It was. And I, and I would have to double check with my buddy Ty about it. Um, and what I can do is I will ask Ty and kind of get a little bit, get a little list together and I can throw that up on Twitter. And that way, if anybody is interested in checking a lot of these things out, by all means, go for it, check it out. Um, it's, it's just, you're, you're kind of opening your, your, your horror world or not even horror necessarily, but just like your, your cinematic world open when you allow movies like this to come in. Um, there's another one called Night Killer, actually, ironically enough, um, that is kind of like weird parts, Nightmare on Elm Street with like, it. again, it's one of these movies like has no reason to exist because there's like whole scenes where there's like this weird lovey-dovey music played and there's a woman on the beach and just, it, it's totally absurd. But... It, it's out there, and, and it should absolutely be watched. And that was another one that Severn put out. Um, fun fact, it was shot in Virginia Beach, which is close to where Caleb and I live at the time. So there you go. Little uh, little fun fact for you. Fun fact on me on the battle. I like it. Damn right. I'm full of useless trivia like that, and people wonder why I'm single. I've never wondered why, but let's move on. <laughs> But no, yeah, I uh, I look forward to that list. Um, I can, just like with the film school thing, I can second as someone who's opening the door for himself, getting more into the Italian stuff. It is, it's a fun, it's a, it's a, it's a different and for me, very fun 
world to step into. I've been highly enjoying it and look forward to continuing down the rabbit hole for years to come. Uh, before we move on to our awards and give some stuff out, is there anything else you'd like to add? Any last minute, or shall we move on? No, let's um, let's definitely because I mean, even with like going through the awards and stuff, I'm sure it's going to bring up more talk about this movie. Um, even though I am trying to be as spoiler free as possible, but <laughs> this movie is already spoiled for you if you've already seen fucking Jaws and other shark movies. So, well, so you've seen any of the Jaws movies or shark movies? You know what's happening here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. If that's the case, let's uh, let's do it. First up, it will be our worst scene or the Zack Snyder. What do you got? Okay, so I could I. I if I was a pretentious asshole, I would say, this whole movie is a collection of the worst scenes ever committed to film ever. But I'm not. Um, and there's a lot you could pick from. Um, like we've like we've kind of hinted at before, there's literally like whole scenes that are chopped out from Jaws, Jaws 2, um, that you're just... You're kind of blown away, again, at the audacity of Bruno Matai to put those things down and give no fucks and just say, like, yeah, it's what we're doing. Um, for me, though, the part where I was probably having my most fun was towards the end of the movie. It's the uh, much-advertised regatta scene where this is supposed to be the race that is going to save the town, keep them in business another year, and also supposedly somehow, don't know why, but also save Hulk Hogan's fucking aquatic park. Don't ask me how. I still don't understand. And even more unbelievable, it is going to be saved by windsurfing. And I ask you, when has windsurfing ever saved anybody? It hasn't. So don't try and hurt yourself thinking about it. It hasn't. It's too late. I hurt myself. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, again, and, and this is almost like a mini film school, this sequence, because you can see where um, there are certain parts where some of the uh, the more featured actors, I'll call them. Uh, again, I don't know what Italian cinema has against guys named Bob, but there's a dude named Bob in this. Uh, Caleb's favorite Fabio guy. They're racing against each other. And... You can clearly see that they're not moving anywhere, that they're probably just on the beach and the way the camera's positioned in the sky, it's like nobody's going to notice that these guys aren't actually moving if we have them move. Um, so yeah, like they're battling against each other. At one point, Fabio's fucking like talking all kinds of shit, using some of the lamest put downs on anybody and then to which Bob's response is, well, you're a loser. So yeah, but then that also culminates in... What I what I like to think of as Bruno Matai's uh, weaponizing of the footage to literally assault you because he is pulling out all of the stops in using any and all like documentary stock footage, footage from The Last Shark or um, Deep Blood and putting it all together. And also at the same time, never actually showing you a shark in the footage that he shot during that race. All you see is a fucking little buoy getting pulled around and knocking people off. And that elicits 
you know, fucking Hulk Hogan or how somebody labeled him in a uh, letterbox review, Hulk Fogan. I apologize for that. That's not my dad joke. That's somebody else's. I approve of the dad joke. <laughs> but yeah, so like he is abhorred at a buoy knocking somebody over and he knows. He knows. It's sharp. It's doing it. Never mind that it, you know, whatever. But this 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 sequence really kind of sums up the movie to a T. It is it is merging stock footage with actual footage that's been shot. You absolutely know which is which because the quality of the images varies greatly. You could have like shitty 1970s fucking stock footage with stuff that was shot in the 90s right there on the spot and all set with music that, again, just kind of puts everything out of place. So you're not really sure what's going on. And I think a lot of that was intentional because it's like the camera angles and the way the camera moves in some of the stock footage doesn't match the way the camera's moving in the actual shot footage. So you're really disoriented on what's going on. You don't really know who's even winning the fucking race anyway, because you just have like these giant wide shots of people on people windsurfing. Again, who fucking watches windsurfing? Nobody. Why? And and this is another thing that really gets me. It's like this is absolutely coming from the point of view of somebody who is not American, thinking this is something that American people want to watch. What do fucking a bunch of white people on the beach want to watch that's going to fucking be entertaining to them? Windsurfing. Of course. I know they're going to love this. This is perfect. <sighs> but yeah, that is probably like my worst, my worst scene in the whole movie. I almost had that scene run down because I was watching like, wow, this is the least exciting windsurfing scene i think i've ever seen not that i've seen a lot of windsurfing in my life because i'm like you I, I don't go out of my way to watch windsurfing but uh can we even spruce it up a bit but then another scene came up not too long after and i was like oh i'm putting this down and it's uh it's when they do the jaws move of we gotta get on the boats we gotta go out there we gotta destroy the buoy shock so they go out there the uh lewis who i didn't even know his name until they mentioned that you know what happened to his boat admittedly but like essentially i guess like the mob boss whatever shady stuff he was doing his son and his friends got on a boat and go out there and what follows is a scene of utter chaos as they spot the shark again mixed with stock footage the long-haired one falls into the water <laughs> the long-haired one you mean your fabio fabio <laughs> falls into the water can't get out of the water no one can save him so he gets eaten again by stock footage shark and at one point you see the female trying to i guess throw gasoline into the ocean but it's clearly getting dumped on them because she's standing there just screaming <laughs> his buddy the only actor who did a bonus feature on this disc shoots the flare gun and blows up the boat it's a scene featuring a bunch of the film's most unlikable characters having a complete moment of ineptitude and a film with a lot of inept moments for being completely honest but something about this one made me go no this one's special and this is uh this is a scene i just watched this is cinema that i just watched oh yeah no and 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 i think another another part of that that's really great is again it's all about tricks like there's literally a layering where you have 
within the frame of that shot where the where the people are getting set on fire, you have fire really up close in the mm. camera and the people behind them pretending to be on fire. And then next shot, boom, it's like it's cause and effect. It's just it's showing you like this happens. This is what's happening. This is the payoff. It's very basic film 101 language, but it's also done in such a haphazard way that you're just like, yeah, a fucking course. Of course. Why not? I think one of the other scenes that is really fucking hilarious to me is um, where Billy is trying to save his girlfriend and she is just inches out of reach and somehow he can't manage to lower himself over the dock more to get her and then she mysteriously just sinks out of the way and he's just left there like no yeah that uh, shit like that is why this movie rules i have more to say about billy and and the actor later but uh uh yeah and you know what's funny the actor that did the bonus features talked about that scene on the boat and he said that apparently the people that were in charge of rigging that explosion were the same exact people that at one point they're doing a dolly shot and he kept squeaking the dolly when it was moving now for anyone who doesn't know one of the components of a dolly is chrome (laughs) fucking metal (laughs) the people that were like we can fix this took seawater and dumped it on the damn dolly. It got rid of the squeak. The squeak went away. But seawater and chrome, not a good idea. Needless to say, there was some concern when they were like, oh yeah, it's the same guys that did that thing. They're like, wait, what? They're in charge of the explosion? But yeah, with that, let's move on to, I think, another fun one here. Uh, the Ed Wood, our worst line, or lines, because I have two. I don't know how many you have, but I'll let you take it away. Okay, so um, for that, I am going to uh, use some quotes from people's reviews on Letterboxd. Um, and I'm going to pull those up right now, and then we'll go through that. Because there are, I mean, this movie is full of terrible fucking lines. Um <clears throat> But really, like, where it really, like, sings is when you have, again, somebody who is not American thinking this is how Americans talk. Which, granted, probably like 85% of us do sound that stupid in, in, our, in their waking lives. Um, but they're, when, when you see somebody and you hear somebody say the, the, the things that these fucking people say in this movie, you're just like, God damn, does the whole world think we're this stupid? <laughs> And the answer is yes. Oh, yeah. And I used to think maybe they have better respect of us now. And then, you know, certain things have happened very recently that made me go, nope, they still think we're a bunch of morons here. No. Um, so one of my one of my first worst lines uh, comes when Billy is choosing the sharks over his girlfriend. And he is about to go do the, I think it was the autopsy on the, uh, on the shark. Yeah. And his girlfriend is like, it's either me or it's the sharks. And Billy's trying to tell her, like, no, babe, it can be both. Don't worry. I'm, I'll be right back. And then she storms out, but comes back to offer this fucking burn. Why don't you go find the tallest building you can, jump off, then go fuck yourself. 
I'm giving you a moment to let that sink in for just how ridiculous that is. But again, somebody that's not using English as their first language coming up with an insult and uh, probably not in the right order, but I think that's part of its charm in this case. It was that that was a, that was a that was a burn. Best part, she says it in front of like the sheriff. Yeah, and he looked generally like, "Are you okay, man?" That was a serious burn. And I'm like, "No, it wasn't. It wasn't." <laughs> sheriff, whose first name is Francis, and he cares. Dear God, does this man cares throughout the movie about this shark. I think he's the only one who cares. Really, truly, I think he's the only one that cares. And uh, oh God, okay. So, another one is where this guy says that he is, uh, how did he put it? That he was the, he was in charge of pussy. Isn't that what he said to these ladies? He said that he was in charge of the pussy on the beach. Um, He also has uh, another great line where he's at a party and he's like, I'm a sex machine. I even got a spare set of balls. I don't. I don't, I don't know what you want to do with those balls, my friend, but okay, go for it. I hope you have fun with I, that. I, I don't know what you want to do with them. I don't know where they're located. I'm kind of like, where where are they at? Where's this first set at, buddy? I don't know. All I can think of is uh, Gearhead from Rick and Morty, where he's got like another compartment for his fucking nuts. But again, just this is only the tip of the iceberg. And like, I like, there's a lot to choose from in this movie. Um, so really you can take your pick this movie's chock full of some really terrible really good bad lines but yeah yes yeah. it is because i'll I throw that two. over to you i'll say it is because i have two that different ones actually your first one i got scared because i was like oh shit did he take the one i picked because it's the it's that same scene with the his girlfriend but she gives him the ultimatum is what i went with when she goes it's me it's the fish or me what do i have to do for you to pay attention to me grow gills Something about that just made me go, what the fuck did she just say? Like, I'm like, no, no, growing gills, I don't know why that's what you jump to, lady. That's not what I think any guy wants at all. Well, maybe Bart Pass in the lighthouse, a little different, but. That was my first one. Another one is said by a heroic leading man um, that had this ultimatum thrown his way. And he's talking about the shark, at, as he does throughout the movie. And mind you, the film's established at the very beginning that this is essentially a Navy experiment, which, as two guys in the Navy, trust me, that is, there's no way in hell we're experimenting on shark. We're too dumb to do that. Um, but he says this later, like halfway, I'll say halfway through the damn movie. And it's it's almost as if someone trained him to attack and kill. <laughs> Okay, first off, let's unpeel this thing. First off, sharks are only a train to attack and kill. It's in their instinct. Second off, how many people died for you to come to that conclusion? I think this is like after the third or fourth body washes up and he's like, this is my conclusion. I'm like, well, no shit. I mean, clearly. Clearly. It, uh, yeah. With that said... This one just kind of will go hand-in-hand with the lines. And this is another one that, like the lines, I feel like we could he could pick anyone in this movie. And that is our Steven Seagal, the horse performance. Uh, mine is definitely going to have to go to Richard Dew, 
who is the Hulk Hogan lookalike <laughs> that plays the proprietor of the aquatic center under threat of foreclosure. Uh, his character's name is Dag Sorensen, which I don't know what Dag is short for, if it's a nickname for. Um, if anybody has an idea, let me know. Um, so, okay. So, yes. This was, this is was an actual, like, truth about this, about this guy, is that he did do uh, look-alike work as a Hulk Hogan impersonator, which if you look at this guy, Hulk Hogan was not a big man. I think he was like six, what, six, one, something like this guy's like five, eight on a good day. Does not have the physical shape any like at all to even a blind person could tell that this guy was not fucking Hulk Hogan. Like that's, that's how much this guy does not look like Hulk Hogan in, in the sense that, uh, an over tanned bleach blonde guy with a Fu Manchu fucking looks like Hulk Hogan. Then yeah, this, yeah, this guy fucking looks like Hulk Hogan. He's the, he's the guy that your dad finds at the fucking corner of the liquor store after he buys him a 40 and says, Hey, I need you to come over to my kid's birthday party, wear this and just say, Oh yeah, brother. And you'll get the other 40 that I'm going to buy you. Like, this is the guy that shows up at your fucking birthday party and shatters your dreams because you're like, Hulk Hogan doesn't look like this on TV. He looks happier on TV. This guy looks sad. But yeah, like, it's it's bad how, like, how much he does kind of look like Hulk Hogan's little brother. But in no way, shape, or form does he actually, like, look like Hulk Hogan. But that is one of the things that this movie is known for, is having a fucking Hulk Hogan impersonator in the fucking movie. And I think that kind of ties into one of the uh, one of the observations I think I had. Yeah, somebody somebody said uh, actor who is Hulk Hogan's twin. In the sense that, you know, if he was Danny DeVito in Twins Twin, that, that that's like the, the visual comparison. I'll, I'll, I'll give anybody that hasn't seen this movie. Yeah. I, I would have forgiven this this person more had they just gone full head with it and had him actually do Hulk Hogan lines. Like, had I been hearing some, hell yeah, brother, or anything else, I'd be like, all right, I can, this is fun. But he doesn't even do that. He, he's playing a character, so I'm just like, fuck. If he could have been waiting in the water and said, what you gonna do, shark, when Hulkamania runs wild on you, that would have made this movie better. That's what I would have fucking stayed for. Had that happened, I probably would love this movie that much more. But it's still incredibly funny that this guy is talking in this movie. And I think this is the only movie this guy ever did, apart from some other credits that he has on IMDb. But like this is there, there you can't find this guy anywhere else. I don't know what happened to him. I really wish they could have talked to him to get his perspective on this movie. Um because from what it sounds like from the one actor who who is the uh, pussy inspector, um, he uh, he said it was it was crazy to be on that set because like Bruno Matai spoke no English, and he gave all his his directions to an interpreter who then did not actually interpret the fucking information that Bruno Matai was trying to give, and so the actors would just do what was on the script and Bruno Matai would get pissed off that they weren't doing the things that he was just fucking telling the interpreter to do. So I can only imagine how frustrating it was to be an actor on that set. But damn it, he tries. 
That's all I gotta say. He does. He really tries to sell the storyline between him and his daughter. I will give him credit on that. Uh, for me, uh, the character I mentioned earlier, I think uh, has the, the ultimatum thrown his way. He's supposed to go fuck himself off the Empire State Building. Played by uh, Greg Hood. That's who I picked. I put him down because he is our main character, and his line delivery is god-awful. It's almost like kind of funny in a way, because I'm like, why are you delivering it like that? <laughs> it's Everything is said so over the top. The way his lips... Like, I noticed, like, he moves to really emphasize, like, serious points. I'm like, what? I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> As I'm watching the movie, I'm like, are you about to die, dude? Like, what's going on? It's just, like, the guy is something else, and it's entertaining in all of the wrong ways, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, of course. Um, I mean, so that's uh, that was Billy, right? Yeah, Billy. Yeah, yep. okay, so we're just keeping it all in the family. It's Billy Sorensen. Um, yeah, he is, he is, uh, Richard Dreyfuss in this movie. I mean, in case anybody needs to, needs to know who he is for context. Uh, he literally has the scene where he is ripping off fucking, uh, Richard Dreyfuss, uh, in his, uh, characterization of sharks, which is that they are only good at eating, killing, or no, eating, what was it, eating? How did he put it? Oh, God damn it. Eating, killing, and mating. Yeah, and or making, making baby ba sharks. Making baby sharks. Yeah. So there you go. Um, and we butchered that those lines just as much as they butchered a lot of other lines in this movie, uh, especially given that they were from a wildly popular movie that everybody and their fucking mom had seen up up to that point. So yeah, and he's also the one who did the. Uh, my girlfriend is three inches away from me and I can't reach any farther down to save her. So I'm going to scream. No. Yeah. He, oh man, as soon as he started delivering lines, I'm like, this is it. Like, unless someone else completely obliterates my senses right now, like this is it. This is my worst performance. It's this guy. And you know what? To his credit, he never once felt me. He always showed up ready to get that award for me every time. Ah, now for our last worst award before we go on to our server lining, filmmaking decision, the Michael Bay of them all. <laughs> well, I, I, I could go for the obvious one and talk about, well, I guess in a way it is going to kind of lead into it, you know, explosions, but pretty much, pretty much like every use of stock footage that Bruno Matai uses in this movie, whether it's stock footage or it's footage from other movies, all of that, all of that is a terrible decision, but it's also like the ballsiest decision he can make. Because again, he didn't have the budget to actually make a, a movie. He just, for I think for him, this was like a point he had to prove or a bet he had to win with somebody. Like, oh, you can't make a better movie than Jaws. He's like, what? Hold my beer. I got this shit. And not and you. Hey, wait. You know what? I'm gonna do you one better. I'm not even gonna fucking get a real shark for my movie. How the fuck are you gonna make a shark movie without a shark? Watch me, bitch. And so what does he do? He fucking finds fucking stock footage, documentary footage, other movies. Doesn't matter. If it's got a shark, I'm gonna use it. And that's why you have a mako, a tiger shark great white the the characters aren't even sure what fucking shark they're dealing with at this point and oh by the way to give you a further zinger even after they think that they've blown up the shark 
they show a point of view shot of something swimming along the bottom of the water again to tell you that it's not over yet. Um, also, the hilariously bad day for night shots. Those are probably some of the worst, but also <laughs> the most hilarious because you literally have people trying to squint like they're in the dark, <laughs> like they're in the fucking dark, and they're clearly in the daytime. It's it's bad. It's I, really bad. I was watching it, and I was squinting because it happened, and I texted her. I was like, what the fuck? Because I thought like the TV messed up. I'm like, why is there a blue filter all of a sudden? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? And you're like, it's day for nine. I was like, oh my god, this is supposed to be night. I'm like, yeah, that was, oh my god, that threw me off. And I thought it was only happened the one time. I was like, all right, it's over. It's not coming back. And it came back with a vengeance again later. I was like, fuck, it's back. No, no, don't do it again. Oh. Just when you thought it was safe to relax your eyes, <laughs> we're going back to nighttime. God damn it. I I also put for mine... Um, the use of stock footage for the shark attacks because like you said, it just like the way they supposedly edit it, it doesn't match. So it's like a, a shark will clearly be coming from one direction, the stock footage, but the way they're flailing around during the attack indicates it came from somewhere else, which was always fine to me. The camera's not even really in the, like what should be the right place. Like it's, it's hilarious. And then to kind of, I guess, like, beyond that, for an filmmaking decision, since we both have st the stock footage, when they do finally show the shark, like, towards the end of the film, they get something, and you're, you're like, wait a minute, why does it look like this? <laughs> so, that was that was the point where I, like, I, I, I laughed very, very hard, and I'm sure Caleb was like, what the fuck is he watching on now? And it's literally like, if your fucking shark ride just died on you and was frozen in a position. But in order to keep the experience up, you had somebody pushing it along. That's the kind of shit we're talking about. It, there, there's no indication of movement on this animatronic thing. It's just like, hey, I need you to build me a shark with its mouth open. All right, cool. Does it need to do anything else? Fuck no. Why would we need it to do anything else? Because it's a shark and it, they, 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 no, just fucking make me a shark with its mouth open. I got this. Don't worry about it. And you literally see that. And then I think at one point they have like a terrible, um, a terrible like artist rendering of what they think a fucking shark's mouth looks like. And it's fucking like comically like a fucking U shape with some fucking, uh, dummy hanging out of it. And it's just. And it's just on screen long enough to give you the impression that something bad is happening. But if you look too hard, the illusion is shattered and you're watching some goofy ass shit on screen. So, yeah, like it's it's just so hilarious that Matai had the balls to just do this. That's the thing I keep coming back to with this movie. It's like Bruno Matai had the balls to fucking do this shit. And he did not listen to anybody's input. I'm going like, you know, this probably isn't a good idea. He's like, shut the fuck up. I got this. Have you made movies before? No, you haven't, right? Okay. Shut up. And he just fucking keeps going. Oh, man. It, it's something. Because, yeah, I, you know, someone's like, we probably shouldn't do these day for nights. Shh. We're doing the day for night. Put the goddamn filter on the camera right now. And then someone's like, you sure you want to do the shark lights? Yes, we've been saving for this reveal. This is how it must be. It's like, oh, 
Uh, yeah. Um, that. Let's move on to our server lining, which I feel like we both have the same thing. So I know we've been both kind of hinting around the bush, but I'll go ahead and just kind of let you say yours first and probably just piggyback. So I probably have the same thing. All right. So for me, and I think it's probably obvious, um, the fact that this movie exists to me is the silver lining. Um, and I've mentioned it before. Like Bruno Matai's balls to just just go against any sense of like any respect for any other artist in their work, any any notion that like of what a movie is, and to put this shit together and put it on screen. Um, <clears throat> say what you will, uh, but Bruno didn't let budget, a script, lack thereof, uh, talented actors. Or even an actual shark get in the way of bringing us a good time. Um, like I said, the biggest crime a movie can commit is to be boring. And this movie is not boring at all. Um, and I I think out of all the movies I have in my collection at this point, this and like my other Italian ripoff movies are probably like some of my favorites. And ones that I will always go back to and it's kind of like uh it's kind of like pink flamingos in a way where it's like it's a litmus test for me and any uh any friends that i have or people that call themselves my friends if they've never watched these movies with me if they can sit through them and they can have fun then i know i've got a true friend uh if not then i'm just i'm weeding out all the losers in my life because if they can't look at something like this and have fun with it I don't want to know what sad lies they lead. It's good to know that I'm on a litmus test for all these films, apparently. Oh, yeah, no, you're absolutely my guinea pig because of the fact that you haven't seen a lot of these kinds of movies. And you be, you being able to go into them with an open mind instead of, you know, shrugging your shoulders or just being like, oh, fine, I guess, says a lot about you and when you come on the other come out the other side of these you have an appreciation for for what they are not trying to come at them with any kind of preconceived idea of what this you know what you're getting yourself into because you can't you can't have any kind of idea of what you're going to get from a movie like this because if you have any expectation whatsoever you're it, it's going to be ruined within the first five minutes especially with this fucking movie you're oh, like, yeah. what the fuck like I've seen some aquatic horror movies in my day, but I have never seen anything like this. And that is something that always comes it always comes back to for me. It's like it it you you are never prepared and you had never seen anything like this before. And that's the kind of shit I love. That's the kind of stuff I love to spring on people to. Yeah. I will say for it before I say my silver lining. Um yeah, it's always fine to me when I when I sit through these films you recommend because it's like it's like going through a battle. Like I start out like clean like theoretically like fairly clean shaven all put together like all right let's do this and the movie ends and i feel like i'm just holding a cup of coffee my you know i got like patches where i forgot to shave my head and i'm all like five o'clock shadow and i just look days and just you okay there yep just made it through a movie i made it i made it through this movie and i i don't know why but i liked it i need to go shower now um it's like that almost all the time actually <laughs> Uh, for me, it's, yeah, like I said, for my silver lining, it's, like, roughly the same. 
And I did I put because I put uh, the sheer balls to just openly <laughs> rip off not just Shaw's, not just Shaw's two or three or four, but they even looked and said like, "Where are some other movies we can do?" Everyone likes Star Wars, right? They like that theme song. Let's do that, but don't do it exactly because we cannot get hit with copyright. And they just did it. No cares in the ward. That pulling, like I said, the fucking, like you said, to like lines of dialogue, like no one's going to remember they said that. All right, it's fine. As if like home video didn't exist at the time. They're just like no one's going to fucking remember. Okay, just pull the line. It's okay. Like just that that ballsiness, that audacity, <laughs> to an extent, to just say like we're doing it. And I don't give a shit what anyone says. Bravo, Bruno Matai or William Snyder. However you want to be called. Like, bravo. I am genuinely impressed by doing that and having this film be out there for people to buy and watch and enjoy. When, by all means, like I said earlier, this should be buried in a sea of legalities. Yet here we are. Well, I mean, I, th- I think for a while it was. And it was not available anywhere. And I, again, kudos to Severin. I don't know what David Gregory did or how he got it, but you you fucking made it work, dude. And I am infinitely impressed that you still have it. Um, also, just so you guys know, you're probably going to have to look for it on fucking eBay or, you know, some other way to get it because Severin doesn't carry it anymore. Um, they do still have Joe D'Amato's Deep Blood, so you'll see parts of it. Um, but yeah, you're gonna have to find it, uh, some other way. Um, but that's why, you know, you have friends like me that actually have it and can always borrow it. Yeah. So it's the one downside as much as I love the, uh, the smaller boutique, if you will, like, uh, genre, physical media labels, for the most part, they keep stuff for a long time, but every so often they get something that they just, they can't keep forever and. You finally get that itch to buy it. It's happened to me. Um, actually, with something like Shout, I was like, hey, let me pick up their Cheapers Creepers 1 and 2, because I like the first two at least. And, of course, when I got on there, gone. It's no longer available. And I was like, fuck. But hopefully with the new one supposed to be coming out this year, maybe I'll get lucky and they can get their hands on it again. Or who knows? I know the whole thing with Victor Salva kind of mires that franchise more for a lot of people. So, um. With that, now that we've done the silver lining and the awards, it's time to see what's in the box. What's in the fucking box? Alright, so oddly enough, this movie has a lot of positive reviews for it on uh on Letterboxd. And it was I, I was gonna try and go for some, you know. For some more distasteful ones, people that were pissed off at what they were watching. And a lot of people weren't even saying that. So, me, myself, I think I gave it a three. Uh, three out of five. And, again, it's just for the sheer balls of it all. Um, and I'll give you some of the uh, some of the more interesting uh, ones that I've seen. So, this person made a list of things that uh, this movie's got. Storyline that rips off Jaws, Jaws 2, Jaws 3, Jaws 4, that was my addition. Uh, score that rips off Star Wars, check. Actor who is Hulk Hogan's twin, check. Real life documentary shark footage, check. Highly laughable dialogue, check. Uh, 
it's got the uh, aforementioned uh, go fuck yourself line in there as well. Um, and to quote this person, uh, Natto80 on Letterboxd, yes, this Italian rip job from director Bruno Mattai has it all and is a hilarious film. Kick back with a drink or two and enjoy. And I will second that. This is absolutely uh, a party movie for me. This is something that you can have on in the background. And at various points, people are going to turn around and look and go, what the fuck? Why is Hulk Hogan in a shark movie? You know, little things like that are going to happen. Um, Especially the inevitable bait when you're like, no, man, it's not Hulk Hogan. You got that one stubborn friend. It's like, that's Hulk Hogan. You're like, are you fucking serious right now? Right. There's always somebody who's like, nah, dude, I met Hulk Hogan once. I know exactly what it looks like. That's fucking Hulk Hogan. Richard Dew is just just his actor name. Shut the fuck up. No. Right, then pull uh, up Rocky Rocky Three, and then you tell me if that's his actor name. So uh, there was another review uh, from Rat King's Finest. Uh, it's quite lengthy, um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick out a paragraph because a lot of the stuff is what we've talked about already, um, and I'm going to quote them here. You can't call it good, but you can call it shockingly daring. I'm assuming all the ball jokes are due to the fact that everyone behind this had enough of them to go through with it and pull it off. Italian ripoffs reached their peak with this one. They didn't even try to hide it. So much frenzied fun packed into every garbage moment, it's impossible not to love. Yes, exactly. This movie is impossible not to love. And I know plenty of people that would not sit through this and make it through it. And they are weak. And they should be dealt with as such. Um... This person's got a nice little review. Uh, this person's name is Nick Naney. Uh, they gave it a one and a half, which uh, I don't know what your scale is or what kind of movies you're watching, but that is terrible and you should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, the one major improvement this has over the original Jaws is that someone calls the mayor a fat fuck. <laughs> I, I forgot about how much I enjoyed hearing that. Even though he actually looks more like Alex Trebek than a fat fuck but yeah he, he's really not that fat it was no. it was a laughable line but also kind of funny to i digress hear. yeah uh so this right here is from the user named and i don't know if it's maggie probably is uh it's m-a-g-i maggie savage uh let's see uh she gave this five stars so uh i'll start from here this movie is a masterwork a masterwork of garbage, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. It is bad, really bad, but in such a wonderful way. I was in tears watching this. It rips off so many movies. It's edited how I imagine a fever dream is. It has, in parentheses, not Hulk Hogan in it, running a marine life exhibit with dolphins while caring for a handicapped daughter. Song from the Star Wars soundtrack. The mentioning of balls so much, it's almost a worrying amount. It really is all over the fucking place. You enjoy, okay, now this part right here is probably why I picked it. Uh, if you enjoy awful movies, you really do need to give this one a chance. It is well worth it. I see myself whipping this bad boy out at parties sometime in the future. And yes, this is absolutely a movie you watch with a bunch of your friends. For sure. Hands down. A bunch of your friends. A six-pack or a 12-pack, really, for this one. Look, you can make a drinking pizza. game out of this fucking movie. Every time you see a shark on screen, you drink. You will be plastered before the end yeah yeah you could make a lot or anytime somebody says balls yeah i i I actually didn't think about it until you said i was like that's right they do say balls a lot in this movie again it's like what a fucking foreigner thinks americans talk about balls (laughs) 
I would, Apparently. I would say we wouldn't, but Jackass Forever just came out, so like... <laughs> we, yeah. There, there, there are some of us that have a fascination with our own genitals. Yeah. Uh, so, and doing terrible things to them. And the rest of us watch that movie and laugh our asses off. Oh, yeah. No, it's always funny when it's somebody else's balls. Yeah, always. as long as it's not my balls. Yeah. God. All right. Before I reveal next week's episode, the usual cleanup uh, for social media. So you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Filmgasm Productions. Uh, Josh usually really good about hitting, hitting people back up, but you might need to have someone else get good at that soon, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, if you want to shoot us a recommendation, feel free to email, email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. Don't freak out if you don't see your your suggestion, suggestion pop up soon. I usually do the schedule advance, but I will find a way to fit it in there. Uh, it better be good, though. Don't make some lame-ass recommendations. Caleb's time is precious. It is, actually. <laughs> it is very precious to me. <laughs> If you would like to donate and support it anyway, you can find us on Anchor. You don't have to donate if you don't want to, but hey, if you do. And finally, we do have a website that started this whole uh, this whole thing, filmgasm.com. You can find reviews, articles, trailers, and all of our episodes on there. Have at it. With that said, next week, join us as we discuss the D. Snyder starring, I would argue slightly ahead of its time, horror flick, Strangeland. I actually saw that film for the first time a couple of years ago, and I really enjoyed it. I don't get the hate for it, so it's going to be a lot of fun um, unpacking that one. Can't wait. I'm going to go get my nipples pierced just for it. I'm getting nothing pierced for it, but I like the enthusiasm. Hey, look, you got to play the part. That's all I'm saying. Hey. On Filmgasm, we'll be talking about what many people consider to be the best film from Ty West, The Sacrament. I haven't seen it yet, so I'll be making that judgment call whenever we do that when we do that episode. Uh, on Oscar Sunday, join them as they talk about the wonderful Disney Pixar film, Coco. Um, actually, really good movie. I have seen that one. And then finally, on Sneak Preview, we're going to be looking at the newest Disney Pixar effort, Turning Red. And then there's also the Netflix film that doesn't look bad, but trailers for them have been deceiving in the past, The Adam Project. With all that way, I would like to thank you, Josh, for joining me on this episode of Cruel Jaws and unpacking it and having the time of our lives talking about this and Italian horror cinema in general. And until next time, folks, be careful when living in a coastal town and participating in the annual regatta. Stock footage sharks might attack you. And you can't guarantee a Hulk Hogan look like will be there to save the day. So, watch out, guys. See you all next week on Beyond the Bad. Thank you.